Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T dot com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 20 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Before we get started today, I just want to call your attention to the new and improved Therapy for Black Girls therapist directory. So we've had a little makeover and I'd like for you to check it out. If you're looking for a therapist in your neck of the woods, you can definitely head on over to therapyforblackgirls.com backslash directory. Or if you are a therapist and you're interested in getting your private practice or agency listed in the directory, you can go to therapyforblackgirls.com backslash being listed. All of this information of course, will be included in the show notes. I'd also like to give a special shout out to friend of the show, Kayla Knight, who has been doing an awesome job sharing the word about therapy for black girls and getting the word out about the podcast. So I really appreciate you, Kayla. Today, we have a special on the couch episode all about Monica from Love and Basketball. 
I am joined today by special guest therapist, Dr. Kinsa Gunter. Kinsa is a licensed clinical and sports psychologist. She works in private practice in the metro Atlanta area, providing clinical and sport performance psychology services to adolescent and adult populations. Additionally, she offers consultation services to organizations and athletic personnel, including coaches, certified athletic trainers, athletic administrators, and sports nutritionists. So we definitely dive into a lot related to sports psychology, but Dr. Gunter also shared a wealth of information that is applicable to your life, no matter whether you're an athlete or have been an athlete in your former life. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Kenza. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk to you. Yeah, so I think that this will be a great kind of throwback Thursday episode. So tell us who you will be talking with us about today. So my plan for today is to talk about um, a character who is from one of my absolute favorite movies, um, Love and Basketball. And the character that I'll be discussing is Monica Wright. Wonderful. She was the main character. Yes, definitely. Yes, yes. So for some of our listeners who may be a little younger, you may not have been um, kind of at the movies when Love and Basketball came out, but I'm sure (laughs) you've seen it like replay on VH1 or, you know, in the movie marathons and stuff. So, And if you haven't, you should definitely check it out because it is (laughs) definitely a classic, certainly a classic movie. Right, right. So can you give us a little background about her character, maybe for people who are not familiar with the movie or haven't seen it in a while? Yeah, so Love and Basketball is really, um, I want to say, kind of a coming-of-age story. So you have um, this middle-class family who's moved at the beginning, the family, two parents, older sister, younger sister. Monica happens to be the younger sister in the pair. And the story travels or takes you through a journey of of her development from, I would say, middle school, um, high school into college. But it follows her basketball career. Basketball is kind of the anchor for her. Um, And when the family moves at the beginning of the movie, she's playing basketball. Um, And we kind of see her develop in her skill level and and the different levels of competition throughout the movie. In addition to following her basketball career, we also see what happens as she progresses as a person in life throughout that same time. So it really is kind of traveling through one's um, life journey. um, And it's anchored by their love, passion, identity with basketball. Perfect. So the perfect character for a sports psychologist to talk about. Definitely the perfect character, um, (laughs) because I think, you know, a lot of people just focus on the athletic part of one's identity when they think about sports psychology. But really, for for me, um, I come from a place of working with a total person. And and I feel like if you don't, if if you have a healthy person, you'll have a healthy athlete. So I think Monica is a really good character to look at and think about in terms of looking at the holistic picture of someone who happens to play sports. Got you. That's a very nice um, kind of vantage point to come from for sure. Mm -hmm. So you did mention like lots of transitions and lots of things kind of, you know, we see her um, go through throughout the movie. Um, So at what point and what do you think would have led Monica into therapy? So, you know, the movie itself is actually broken down into quarters. And so I recently rewatched it just to kind of familiarize myself with some of the nuances that I may have have forgotten, um, being that it's been a while since I've seen it. And I think at different points in her life, there could have been um, different things that prompted her to get into therapy or prompted her to seek therapy. So in the first quarter of her life, which is when the family has just moved to a new city, she doesn't really have a lot of friends. Um that could have been a point because transition is generally difficult for people in general. And for kids, it can be hard because that means the loss of familiarity with friends, the loss of familiarity with school and kind of activities that they may be involved in. And what we see is from the very beginning of the movie, Monica uses basketball as her way to connect and try to find her place, even in this new environment. And so I think it's a good thing that she had that. I can use that, but if it were not for sport or something else that would have allowed her to connect very quickly, just transitioning to a new place and acclimating to a new environment, trying to make new friends and being a new setting because they were coming from Atlanta and moving to California. And so that could have been a place where the family as a whole might've gone into therapy to help the, the kids with that transition and, and the idea of letting go of what they had known and, and holding on and trying to grab onto this new experience. 
Okay. So what about anything so in the was, second quarter? Yeah. So in the second quarter, um, I think we see that she is more solidly, solidly in her athletic identity and, and she's the star of the team. She's the captain of the team. Um, but what we also see is she has some trouble with emotional control on the court. I mean, they highlight that really well in the movie where if a call, if a referee makes a call on her, her she will kind of act out on court. And it, it results in her being pulled and put on the bench. And so her inability to kind of control her reactions and her emotions are affecting her ability to perform and actually be on the court and do what she loves. So that, too, could be a time where working with a sports psychologist to help her learn how to manage those emotions and channel that feeling in a positive way that helps her performance rather than something that gets in the way of her performance could have been an opportunity for her to, to talk to someone and maybe develop some additional skills. As we move into the third quarter when she goes to college, again, we're back to that transition point. And when there are times of transition, again, as I said before, people have to let some things go and grab something new. But beyond just kind of transitioning to college from the high school environment, her role in basketball is changing as well. So she's going from being the star, the captain, the one that everybody looks to in order to make things happen and kind of put the team on their back and pull them through to being a, a rookie, right? A new player on the team, new teammates, new coaches, and she doesn't have the status at all. She's riding the bench. She's the backup um, and doesn't get a lot of playing time. And for a lot of athletes kind of making that transition, especially from high school to college, when they're used to being the star, Going to a different role can be a real shock and a jolt to the system because their athletic identity can take a hit. Um, athletic identity is one of those unique identities that's typically formed early in one's life. And like I said, Monica used sport from a very young age to help her cope with transitions and difficulties. And so her identity as an athlete was developed really, really early and solidified really, really early. I mean, there's a scene where they show a glimpse of her room at home and it's filled with certificates and trophies and pictures and medals all related to her success in basketball. So to transition to college where she still has some skills and is a part of the team, but is not nearly the big fish in the small pond that she was in high school could really be an adjustment. Um, I happen to work with some college athletes and have the opportunity to do that. And sometimes that can be a real challenge for them beyond just the rigors of college life, managing the responsibility, the independence and, and the requirements that it takes, the, the responsibilities, I, I should say, of being a student athlete, but also that change from being a star to just being a role player on the team. So that's a time when she could have potentially used some help in, in adjusting to the newness of that role and that experience. And then in the fourth quarter, um, still related kind of to her basketball, um, she ends up going overseas to play. And although at the time, that was one of the only opportunities that women had for continuing to play beyond college was to go overseas. The WNBA was not really created at that time. It didn't get created until 1996. So prior to that, Overseas play was all that an athlete had in terms of an option for female professional basketball players. But there's such a loneliness and an isolation that can come with being in a new country, new language. You don't know anybody. All of your friends are back at home. All of your family's back at home. It can be a real sacrifice to uh, think about how do I continue to pursue my dream while letting go again of everything that I know. So I think the theme that you may hear is transition. <laughs> um, there's transition at every level, right? And at every level, there could have been something that happened or emerged or came up that that um, Monica could have benefited from talking to someone about. Yeah, Kenza, you have given us like a million different ways we can go with this. Um, so two of the, no, it's perfect. It's perfect because two of the things I really would like for you to highlight and maybe talk about like what you would have done if she had come to you at that point. Mm -hmm. um, one, going back to the explosion that she had on the court. So like, how do you work with your athletes to teach them emotional control? And then mm -hmm. how do you work with athletes? Like maybe once they move to the collegiate um, level and they're not the star anymore, like what kinds of things would you do with them? Yeah, so going to the emotional control piece, I mean, ask, athletics and sport in general is such a passionate endeavor, right? Like people invest a lot of time, energy, families invest money for people and kids used to have an opportunity to participate in sports that they love. And a lot of people see sports as an avenue and a pathway for success. And, and for a lot of people, they see it as a way to get out of difficult situations that they've been in. So I get where there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in the sport. I, I, I completely understand that. And I think um, 
it's really important to help athletes um, understand and the mental side of the game, right? So physical skills, people work on that from the time that they're three. Everybody focuses on teaching and developing the physical aspects and the physical skills of the game. But I think the mental skills and the mental part of the game, which ends up being that edge that people get that, that separates good from great, really sometimes is neglected, especially if we think about high school and younger. So when I think about emotional control, I think about how do we harness that passion and that energy that you have? I don't want to take it away. Because I think it's important to have that passion. That's what allows you to make that sacrifice and to keep that determination and to continue grinding and working hard to, to perfect one's craft. But I do think it's important to help athletes in terms of thinking about channeling that passion, controlling themselves and making sure that they are channeling all their energies in a way that helps their performance. So, so be passionate, but also be smart with it. So with a lot of my athletes, I talk about controlling what they can. A lot of times, if you think about basketball, there are some things that are beyond their control, right? The, the athletes don't have an opportunity to control who the coaches put in the game. They don't control the calls that the refs make. They don't control what the fans might say. So one of the things that we talk about when we talk about controlling your emotions is focusing on what you actually can control, and that's yourself. You can control what you think. You can control what you do. You can control um, how you feel. And so helping athletes to stay present, present focused in, in, in what's happening now and what do I need to do next, right? Because sometimes the emotion, let's say again, of a bad call has them focused on the past and what just happened and we got to keep moving forward. So we'll do some relaxation and emotional control strategies. Deep breathing is a technique that I often use with athletes to help them kind of bring themselves down and regulate their emotions and their arousal in the moment. And you can do it very quickly on the court. So once they've learned how to, to engage in deep breathing, that can be a tool that they can use anywhere to help kind of regulate them, bring them down so they can then refocus. Um, I think self-talk is also another big strategy that I use. We constantly have chatter going on in our minds. And so having the athlete to be able to use that self-talk in a constructive way, that if something happens on the court, if you make a mistake, if, if the other team is, is on a run, if the refs are making calls that you don't agree with, whatever the case may be, in your self-talk, you constantly focus on what it is that you need to do next in order to give yourself and your team the best opportunity to succeed in the next play, and then in the next play, and then in the next play. And those, if you do that, focusing on right here in this moment, what do we do to, to get this stop or to make this offensive possession um, beneficial, to get some points, then focusing on the moment and also then kind of stringing those moments together through being, being present, um, managing yourself, and using your teammates. Um, sometimes, you know, individual sports, team sports are different, but with team sports, I'll encourage people, if you feel like you're getting frustrated at what's going on around you, focus on encouraging your team because the only way you all win is together. So I think the three things that I do when I, I, I typically work with emotional control or try to help athletes with that is self-talk, deep breathing, um, to help them control their physical arousal um, and also kind of team-based communication, making sure that they are communicating with their team so that they can all work together to keep themselves focused and poised during difficult moments. Yeah, so it really sounds like, especially um, with the, the some of the self-talk, you're really helping them to kind of slow down, even though it may be a very fast-paced kind of environment that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, slow down and focus on what it is that you need to do. Again, what can you control in this moment? What action can you take next in order to help bring about some success in that play? And like I said, string those plays together, and then you have um, a performance that you're in control of where you're channeling your energy to help your team be successful. Wonderful. So what about um, some of the issues related to kind of going to college and not being the star anymore? Yeah, I think the transition from high school to college is really an interesting one uh, because there's so much newness involved. I mean, sure, you're still playing your sport. You're still going from school to a different school, it's just harder classes, more classes. Um, but but anytime we're in a transition uh, and you have to let something that's familiar go to grab something new, that can be challenging for anybody. And so, again, to your point, how do they adjust to having a new role? I think, quite frankly, it's being honest about that. Um, and kind of proactively talking to them about your role may change. You know, I know there's, um, 
recruiting efforts start so early now. I think it used to be where recruits would only show up at high school games, but now recruits show up even at middle school games for college athletics. And so I think in the recruiting process, kind of being very honest with athletes about what you see in terms of the talent and why you think they could be a great addition to your team, but also very candidly talking about how roles may shift. Because even though she's no longer the star, her role is very important. And so when I have an opportunity to talk with athletes about that, that role that's changed, I, I try to stress that. Every role on a team is like a puzzle piece, and every piece of the puzzle is needed in order to have a complete puzzle. And even if your puzzle piece is not an edge or the main picture of the puzzle, it's necessary for the puzzle to be complete. So helping them to understand that the role that they're in, whether they're the main star, whether they are sitting on the bench, whether they are even injured at the moment, is a vital role to the team because it takes all parts to work together. So I think, you know, one of the things I do is try to be very honest when I'm working with people. And so not only do we talk about the reality of the role change, and that's a part of it, but we also talk about some of the loss that might go along with not being the star anymore um, and feeling like the role that they had has now been diminished because that's a real feeling that they may have. And so talking through that and talking about, well, well how is this new role a challenge and an opportunity for you to grow. Rather than looking at it as a demotion or looking at it as something that's a setback to their career, how can we look at this new opportunity with this new role um, as being a chance for you to develop some new skills, both physical and mental skills, and even leadership skills that will allow you to continue on your journey to success? Um, I think people feel like success is a straight line, and it's not that at all. There are a lot of ebbs and flows, curves and ups and downs that go along with the process of being successful. And adapting to a new role and, and, and navigating that successfully can be a part of that journey. So kind of empathizing, offering some support around the loss of the role that they had, but really focusing on the importance of the role that they've been given and talking to them about how they can thrive in this new assignment. So setting goals becomes really important so that they have something that they're focused on, um, that they're working toward, that allows them to see their growth so that they can check off when they've accomplished goals to see that even though this is a role that they might not have seen themselves being in, it's a role in which they can grow. Looking at how that role impacts the overall team success and continuing to set goals for themselves that helps them to develop. Because as in the movie, what we see with Monica is, she was on the bench, but the starter got injured and she was called up. And so mm -hmm. I think the other thing to help athletes understand when it comes to the different roles that they play is even though you're in a different role, you have to be ready. And you want to be ready when your name is called to step in and fulfill whatever role is needed. And Monica was able to do that. And so I think what we see in the movie is not only her working hard at practice, um, and learning how to be a good support player and role player from the bench. But there's a scene where you see her working in the gym by herself. Team's not there. Coach is not there. It's not a practice. But clearly she has set a goal for herself to develop her skills and to continue honing her craft so that if and when her name is called and her opportunity comes, she can step in and fulfill um, a more visible role similar to the one that she had when she was in high school. Wonderful. So I think... You know, yeah, you got to stay ready and you got to embrace whatever role you happen to be in and thrive there because that's what then becomes your stepping stone for getting new roles that might be more similar to that star role that you're used to having. Yeah, so that's when you would have that saying, um, stay ready so you don't have to get ready kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yes, ma'am. Stay ready, right? So when the name is called, you don't have to wonder why they're calling. You can just step up and say, I'm here. Right. Put me in, coach. And that's <laughs> what she was able to do. You Put know, me in, Put coach. me in. And she was, yeah, she was able to do that and earned herself a starting position simply by working hard in the role in which she had been assigned. So something that you didn't mention um, when you talk about that athletic identity piece, what an injury does yeah. to the athletic identity. I, I could take that a couple of different ways. So so I'll speak from what happens when the athlete gets injured, and then I'll speak from what happens when there's something going on in your personal life that may affect how you're feeling and how that trickles onto the court. So um, in general, when an athlete is injured, uh, 
depending on the severity of the injury, it can be, yes, another blow to their athletic injury, their athletic identity, I'm sorry, um, because it takes them away from the sport that they love. And on the college level, it's such a competitive environment. So there's always the concern about playing time and, and being healthy and the opportunity to show what you actually can do in injuries typically take you off the court. So if it's a mild injury that allows you to come back quickly, then you, you know, athletes typically can bounce back from that pretty easily. If it's a more um, significant injury that keeps you away from the sport for a couple of weeks, that too can be a very hard adjustment for an athlete to go from feeling like they're contributing to now feeling like they're not even really a part of the team. So again, kind of being very real about those feelings and the loss that may be associated with kind of navigating that injury. But one of the things I do when I work with my athletes who are injured is talk to them about your rehab is now your training process. So again, I always try to keep it in the context of you are still an important puzzle piece and we still need you to do everything you can do um, to get healthy and to get back into the role um, that the team needs you to be in or the role that you had before. So um it becomes very important to follow through with all the recommendations of the medical professionals and to do the rehab with the same rigor, intensity, and passion that you have done any other training. Um, helping them to understand that injury, if it's not career ending, again, with that, that sidebar, injury is generally temporary. And so working hard, this is a, a temporary state that you're in. Let's help you work really hard so you can get back on the court doing what you love. Um, so injury is a part of sport. Um, and so normalizing injury, I think, is also a big thing to do for athletes because sometimes they haven't really experienced a major injury until they get to, to college, if they experience one at all. Um, and again, it's just really important to normalize. That that's a part of the sport process. This is one of those setbacks that you, that's unexpected, but we can overcome this as well with the same grit, drive, and determination that you use to, to become successful. You can be successful in coming back from your injury. So, and then helping them deal with some of the, the uh, anxiety that they may experience with return to competition is also something that we would talk about with injured athletes, because sometimes there's this fear of being re-injured when they come back. And so managing those feelings as they're preparing to return to sport is another big part of the work that I do with injured athletes. And again, depending on the severity of the injury, that level of anxiety could be lower or higher. It, it depends on the individual and what they're going through. But those are some of the common things that I see when working with those who are injured. And I've worked with injured athletes who are able to come back and thrive even better than they were prior to the injury. So certainly that does not have to be the period on anybody's sport story. Um, oftentimes it's more of a semicolon, but helping them navigate that pause, do what they need to do in terms of rehab and getting back is certainly something that, that can be done and that can be navigated very well. Um, now, to the other point, um, because I said earlier, I like to, when I work with athletes, work with them from a holistic perspective. So yes, they are athletes, but they're also a person. And I think throughout Monica's story in the movie, we see different things going on in her personal life as well. <clears throat> to your part about the injury and, and her boyfriend getting injured, in the, this is in the third quarter of the movie when she's in college. They both happen to go to the same college. But one thing we see is while her, her athletic star is rising in college, his is going down. There's some things happening in his personal life. Um, that are really shaking him to the core and really challenging him. And in her effort to try to be a support system for, for him, she has to make a decision between pursuing her dreams, following through with curfew rules that the coaches put in place, or being a support for him. And I think a lot of times athletes have to figure out a way to balance and integrate the demands of their personal life and the demands of their sport life. And so I think that too could be another reason that might prompt somebody to seek services. Um, anything that that um, happens in the family issues, relationship concerns, um, academic issues, any of that has the potential to impact an athlete's performance. And so offering them support around life issues, in my mind, is a performance enhancement technique just as much as teaching them goal setting or self-talk. So uh, with Monica's case, I think in addition to her being a really good example of, of, you know, the person and the athlete of a person, kind of both of those together, I think she's also a really good example of someone who doesn't necessarily appear to be in, in any distress 
And I don't think there's any point where she really is in any distress. But mental health is a continuum, and you don't always have to be in significant distress in order to receive and seek support. So a lot of the times in which I think Monica could have received support, it really just would have been to get support for what she was going through and also to help her thrive, right? So I think she was on that coping to thriving end of the mental health continuum. And I think seeing somebody just could have helped her to feel like she had an outlet for things that might have been stressful, that again, giving, having an outlet frees people up to then go and perform and do what they do well, regardless of the venue. So um, I think that's one of the things that could have been helpful as well for her, is just to seek support as she is navigating life as a young, young adult, kind of trying to figure out who she is and trying to pursue her dreams. Support is helpful for anybody at any time. It doesn't have to be only in times of major and significant distress. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that, Kenza, because I do think we often think that only in times of crisis should we reach out for therapy when, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. we could be having much more optimal lives if we actually reached out, you know, when things were just a little bit not okay or we just wanted to thrive in a particular area. Right. Or when it just when we're just overwhelmed. Right. Like I have things going on for Monica. She had things going on at school, things going on in family. I mean, there were some family dynamics that they portrayed in the movie in terms of her relationship with her mom. Again, nothing was was bad. It just felt like that she didn't think that her mom understood her. Right. Her mom was portrayed as this very demure, um, prim and proper southern woman. And here's Monica, this tomboy who would much rather be out playing basketball than doing anything domestic at all. And, and I think there were many times in the movie where she just felt like her mom didn't understand who she was as a person. And she didn't necessarily feel supported by her mom and her support. And that comes out in the conversation that they had later in the movie as well. And so um, if, if she's struggling with those feelings of, of knowing her mom loves her, cares about her, is constantly there, but still not feeling that mom supports her in this part of her identity as much as she would like, just having someone to talk about that with could be very helpful. Again, not to say that it's extremely problematic, but just voicing her concerns, her feelings, her thoughts about it, having someone validate um, her experience could be a very helpful thing to continue to allow her to manage all the responsibilities that she has and keep moving forward and thrive. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of tips or things might you be able to offer to our audience for people who may be struggling with like similar kinds of things? I mean, you definitely already offered a lot. Um, I think a lot of what you've already shared could be applicable to any kind of situation, but are there other tips and strategies that you work with your athletes on that you feel like even non-athletes could um, benefit from? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is I think it's very courageous to ask for help. Right. So in the world of athletics, um, asking for help is often seen as a sign of weakness. I mean, that's just kind of a part of the belief system that goes along with the sport culture. Um, I think we're seeing some of that start to shift a little bit, and I'm really glad about that. Um, But I do think that historically it's this idea of no pain, no gain, only strong survive, survival of the fittest, like all of these cliches and slogans that we have that communicate this message of, you should be able to handle everything on your own by yourself and, and do it successfully really um, is not helpful um, just for people who are trying to navigate this unpredictable journey called life. So I think the first thing is asking for help is a courageous thing. Um, and so don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. I think that's the first thing I think. But as I think about performance enhancement and, and that's kind of what the world of sports psychology is, I think anybody could benefit from engaging in and and really working on things like goal setting. Be very clear about what you want in life and how you want to get there. Like creating a plan. I'll I'll even say for myself, when I graduated from, uh, when I completed my doctoral program, my goal was find a job. And, And I found my job once I finished my doctoral program. And then I didn't have any other goals after that. I mean, I was kind of like, find a job and then you'll be set. Um, But even as I look back and reflect, even at that point in my life, finding a job was great. And I'm very glad I landed one in a counseling center, which is where I wanted to be. But I don't think you should ever stop dreaming. I still should have been thinking about what do I want life to look like in the next year, in the next 
two years and the next five years. And even if for me that had been working at the same place, doing similar things that I was doing, that's fine. But I think having a goal keeps us directed and keeps us focused on where we're trying to go. It helps to promote our growth because when we're, when we're working towards something, that gives us motivation, that fuels our passion, that gives us purpose. And so setting goals, I think is good. Positive self-talk and trying to figure out a way. Um, and I say that intentionally because I think it, it's different for different people how they figure out how to do this. But finding out a way to, to quiet that inner critic and to enhance your inner cheerleader or your inner advocate is huge. Um, I'm a quotes person. So I, I have quotes in my office that I will actually give to clients. If we're talking about something and I feel like a particular quote speaks to what we've discussed that day, or I think it really applies to their situation, I will absolutely give them a copy of that quote um, on their way out the door. Because I don't think we always have to come up with the positive words ourselves, but surrounding ourselves in positive environments can go a long way toward us managing that internal critic that we all have. So quotes journaling. I'm a big fan of journaling because I really do think that that is one of those things that provides an outlet for people. Um, and when I say journaling, it doesn't have to be the traditional, you know, sit down and write a narrative um, on lined paper. It can be um, an artistic journal. If you're an artist, get you a sketchbook and just draw, but give yourself an opportunity to have an outlet, an outlet that you can have that's just for you, where you can express not only challenges and stresses that you may be going through, but that you can also express good things that have happened. I'm a fan of gratitude journals, or at least taking note of the things that you're grateful for. I think focusing on those things sometimes helps to balance out the stresses and the challenges that we may sometimes be consumed with. So setting some goals, um, engaging in positive self-talk and developing strategies to help you kind of keep that critic at bay, developing your internal advocate is how I like to describe it. Um, and then mindfulness techniques. I'll be completely honest. Mindfulness and relaxation is extremely hard for me to do. Um, but I think it's one of the skills that if practiced and cultivated really helps to make a difference in people's lives because it gets them focused on the here and now. And as I talked about as it relates to sport and as it relates to emotional control, when I was talking about Monica earlier, um, life happens in the here and now. And so many times, especially for my athletes, they're either focused on something that happened in the past, some mistake, some error, some glitch that occurred in their performance, or they're so focused on the outcome, what's coming in the future, and they have to get this win, or they have to, to reach this hallmark achievement, whatever the case may be, that they miss out on the present. And the present moment is where you have your control. So teaching them strategies to help them stay focused on the present moment so that they can control and create the life that they want rather than worrying about the feared life that they don't want, I think really becomes important as well. Um, those are probably the, the three strategies that I use most often with people, um, goal setting, self-talk, um, and those kind of mindfulness-based strategies to help them stay focused on the present moment. Um, another, um, issue I would say that comes up a lot is perfectionism mm. and I think with perfectionism we certainly see some negative self-talk when we think about athletes um, you have to have a certain level of, of obsessiveness and a certain level and a certain desire to to reach perfection I think in order to excel really in anything and so I know that that's going to be present in my athletes but what I stress to them is Instead of striving for perfection, let's strive for excellence. Because perfection is something that doesn't really exist. We've heard this time and time again. Nobody's perfect. I'll ask them, do you know an athlete in your sport that's perfect? I would have asked Monica, do you know an athlete anywhere in your sport that's perfect? You know, in, in the first, the second quarter of life, she missed the game winning shot. Right? So that was very devastating for her. I mean, she went to the bench, sat down, and immediately started crying. You could tell that that was impactful for her. She missed her moment, right? The moment to win the championship for her team and she blew it. Um, and so I think there's this idea that, that she's going to make every shot. She's going to hit all those game winners. She's going to rise to the occasion every single time. And that's just not how life happens. Certainly not how sport happens. So I think focusing on excellence and making sure that you're doing the best you can with what you have in every given situation or in a majority of situations really becomes the focus. 
because everybody can achieve a level of excellence. And that excellence can exist independent of what anybody else is doing. Um, and so having them, again, through setting their goals, um, managing their self-talk, and, and, and encouraging themselves, and defining what excellence looks like for them becomes really important in managing those perfectionistic tendencies, understanding that failure is a part of the process. So, so a part of excellence includes learning how to fail, learning how to deal with disappointments and setbacks, learning how to get up and fail forward, if you will, um, so that they can grow from those experiences, learn from them, and use them to continue on their journey towards success. Wow, Kenzie, you dropped some real gems there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm all over the place, but no. like I just, you know, I don't know. It, it, um, I'm really passionate about working with the athletic population because I also think there's a misconception that the athletes kind of have it all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the, the fortune, the good fortune and the blessing, I should say, of being able to work with athletes on a number of different levels, from high school to college to Olympic hopeful to professional ranks. Um, and, and it's interesting because they are in this public um, domain and there's so much scrutiny and so much attention and so much evaluation and so much criticism and opinion that's kind of put on them from everybody else, you know, and, and at the end of the day, what we're talking about is people, people who have ups and downs, people who have challenges, people who are trying to live life, people who are trying to pursue their dreams, um, and people who need support and need assistance just like anybody else. And so um, I think Monica's a, she really is a good example of how somebody managed their personal life and, and their their sport, like their, their life as an athlete really, really well. Um, I think she, the, the movie depicts her doing a really good job of balancing both. Um, but I think it's important for us to remember that at the end of the day, they're people too. Um, especially when I think about professional athletes and, you know, we often think, well, they have money, they have opportunity, they have access to resources. What problems could they possibly have? The same problems as anybody else. Um, but, but even sometimes more problems because their money sometimes and their status and their visibility um, can create this uh, distorted perception of who they are so that it becomes hard for them to just be people because people see them as this image, this entity. And so for me, it's important to humanize the athlete. Um, And I tell them, everyone I work with, I am invested and I am interested in you as a person who plays your sport We'll get to the performer. I need to know who you are as a person first because that's who I'm working with, whether we're talking about sport issues, whether we're talking about family issues, whether we're talking about retirement from sport issues, whatever. You are a person first, and that's who I'm working with. Yeah, and as you're talking, Kenza, I can imagine that, you know, if an athlete is working with you, you may be one of few, if not the only person um who exists in this in this athlete's life who like they can maybe take off some of those masks with and you know really be honest about some stuff that you know because of this public perception they may not be able to share anywhere else that's exactly right um i mean i've had athletes at times tell me that they're sharing things with me that they've Mm -hmm. never said to anyone um and I, i take that as a huge responsibility it's a it's a it's a privilege and an honor period, regardless, athlete or not, for me, I think it's a privilege and an honor to be able to be invited to step into somebody's world and to try to help them to walk to any degree in their life journey. That, so being a therapist to me feels like a tremendous privilege and honor, but certainly to be charged with the responsibility of holding things that they may not have shared with anyone, I think that's important. I think it's important as therapists, practitioners, counselors, clinicians, for us to take care of that um, and to, to really hold that and to value that um, because that's a rare and unique gift that they're giving to us. And so I think it's, it's the least that I, we can do is to try to give back to them and to help them, to allow them to take off that mask um, and to help them um, in, in managing whatever it is they're dealing with and so that they can get to that point of thriving and and being okay and being okay yes yes 
So do you have any resources or um, like books, podcasts, blogs, articles that you really enjoy that you think um, our audience might enjoy checking out? Um, so I think I've talked about positive self-talk and, and silence of that in a critical lot. And so a podcast that I really like is called The School of Greatness. Okay. Um, another podcast that I really enjoy is called The Good Life Project. Um, a book that I, I try to read at least once a year. It's called The Four Agreements um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, and I think it's just, his book just provides a really good reminder. Um, and those four agreements are be impeccable with your word. Um, don't take it personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I think that's a recipe for living a life that's within your control um, and maximizing um, your skills, your strengths, so that you can pursue excellence. That's, that's kind of how I feel like those four agreements in sum, what they what they communicate, the overall message that they communicate. Um, in terms of books, another book, a sports-specific book that I really like is called Mind Gym. It's very short chapters, but each chapter talks about a different part of the mental game um, and gives some quick nuggets and quick tips on, on things that you can do to develop certain aspects of the mental side of, of your performance or the mental side of who you are. Um, those, are those are some of my go-tos off the top of my head that I can think of. Great. And please tell people where we can find you online. <laughs> yeah, so my uh, website is www.drkenza, so D-R-K-E-N-S-A dot com. Um, and you can find out information about me there and how to contact me. Um, that information is included on the page as well. On Twitter, my handle is at Dr. Kenza, again, D-R-K-E-N-S-A. Perfect. And all of this information, including the resources, will be shared in the show notes so everybody can easily access okay. that. Perfect. All right, Kenza. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, you're so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope it was helpful. Um, and, and kudos to you for even having this platform. I really think it's outstanding um, to have the opportunity to to just share kind of what we do and, and, and to offer this information and this, this, the, the, the things that we know, the things that we've learned. I appreciate you allowing this platform and this space for us to share. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. So if you haven't watched Love and Basketball, I know that listening to this episode will definitely make you want to go and check it out. Or if you haven't seen it in a while, then you'll definitely want to revisit it. All of the information that Dr. Gunter shared is included in the show notes. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash session 20. And as always, we love to hear your thoughts about the episode on social media. Make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. And make sure to share this episode with a friend who you think would be interested. We love to have them join the party. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com/RTP 
for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought. In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.